Hi, my name is Griffin. Tonight's reading from the Word of God comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 9 through 12. Please follow along in your own Bibles or simply listen as the scriptures are read. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's so good to see all of you here this morning. Or this, I said it. I told you I would do it, and I did it. <laughs> it's so good to see you this evening as we celebrate Christmas Eve together. It truly is one of my favorite services, so thank you for being here to share it with us. <clears throat> if you haven't been here for the past few weeks, let me catch you up on our sermon series. We've been in a series entitled Prepare Him Room. And the basic idea of this series is that when Jesus was born into this world, he was born right into the middle of our messy lives, right into the middle of our living rooms. Into each room of our metaphorical house, Jesus wants to come and reside and stay. Our hope this series is to remember that that Jesus, that God is with us in every nook and every corner and every closet of our whole lives. So we started the series in our bustling living room with an invitation to stop and to savor what the Lord is doing in our lives, the good moments of seasons that typically can be busy and loud and stressful, but we can still savor what's good. We then moved into the dining room. We talked about the pitfalls of perfectionism and the invitation to prioritize people over our production, people over the products that we create. In the bedroom, we talked about the gift of rest and how sleep is both an act of worship and a declaration of trust in God. And then last week, we romped around in our playrooms by giving ourselves permission to express joy and delight in our lives, if for no other reason than that God is good. Tonight, we go into a room that I visit less often than any other room in my house, and that room is the attic. The attic. There is a lot of stuff in my attic. I have window air conditioner units up there. I have an old steam radiator up there. I have a bed frame and, of course, boxes. Boxes and boxes and boxes. Boxes of clothes that used to fit, boxes of summer clothes, boxes of spring clothes, boxes of journals and letters and old photographs. I even have boxes of more boxes. Oh, there's that box of papers that I wrote when I was in college. And oh, there's that other box of papers that I wrote when I was in seminary. Over there, one of my favorite boxes, a box full of squirrels. Plastic squirrels, stuffed animal squirrels, porcelain squirrels, puppet squirrels, gold-painted squirrels. I'm not going to get into the whole squirrel thing tonight, but I just want you to know that there's a box of squirrels in my attic. My basement is also full of lots of random stuff. Our basement kind of floods, though, so, um, and also has a lot of spider webs, which means there's probably lots of spiders down there, too. So I keep stuff in the basement that's important, but stuff that's not that important, right? The stuff in the attic, though, that's the good stuff. The stuff in the attic is the stuff that I've been carting around to every house that I've lived in for as long as as I've been an adult. Items that at one point in my life were so important to me that I packed them away and put them in boxes and put them in my attics so that I would remember a moment. An old stuffed bunny rabbit, my 10th grade yearbook, a custom football jersey with my name on the back of it. And every now and then I go up into the attic and I'm looking for a beloved sweatshirt or something. I stumble upon a box of some of this good stuff. 
And just like Clark from Christmas Vacation, I'll pour over the memories. And I'll start to feel a strange feeling. I'll feel happy and I'll feel sad at the same time. It's the feeling of nostalgia. Nostalgia. Nostalgia is a word that comes straight to us from ancient Greek. It's a combination of two separate words. The first word is nostos, which means return home. Nostos, return home. The second word is algos, which means, can you guess what it means? Algos means pain. Nostalgia is a combination of returning home and feeling pain. It's longing for something that we no longer have. For example, this video. All right, that's good enough. So I love that video. The twins are like two years old in that video. And I love it because my kids, they were teeny and tiny and cute and adorable, and they said and did and sang hilarious, funny things, and I laugh and I smile at that memory. And I'll feel a little bit sad when I see that because that moment is no longer happening right now. That happened back then. I no longer have that moment now, so I feel a sense of loss a little sad, a little nostalgia. And nostalgia is powerful, right? That's why I have so many boxes in my attic because I want to remember all the things. And nostalgia is complicated, which is why I don't go up into the attic very often and dig up the boxes of all the different things. Nostalgia is probably why so many people love the Christmas season, right? Traditions and memories and things we always do. This is a picture we always take in front of the Christmas tree with all the cousins. A thing we always do can feel warm and it can feel comforting, and we like that. And nostalgia is probably why so many people feel anxious and a little bit scared of the Christmas season because traditions and memories and things that we used to do, people we used to see, innocence we used to have, can also feel painful or kind of sad. And there's a place for nostalgia. There's real value in going up into the attic and remembering When we're feeling lonely, we can remember past connections that we had, reminding us that we've had incredibly powerful relationships, and we know how to do that. When we wonder if we're making a difference in this world, we can remember past impacts that we had, and we can remind ourselves that our lives do matter, that we do have significance, and we can have so again. But there is a limit to what nostalgia can do. Looking at an old photograph can remind me of a moment, but it can't recreate that moment. Holding the stuffed bunny rabbit doesn't make me feel safe the way that it once did. That's the ache side of nostalgia. It awakens a longing that it cannot satisfy. It awakens a longing that it cannot satisfy. It's like looking at a fire on our TVs or our screens or our devices. It looks nice, but it doesn't actually make us warmer in this moment. It's an image of a fire, but there's no heat in it. Sometimes I wonder if our faith is like that too. Boxed up and tucked away in a corner of our attics, like an old nativity set, we dust it off every year. It's beautiful and it brings back memories, but 
it's also an unmoving, lifeless picture of something that happened a long time ago. Maybe we came to faith a long time ago. Maybe we're clinging to a mountaintop moment that we had when we were in high school, an experience from a mission trip, a revelation on a college retreat. And ever since then, we're coasting, just coasting on old information and old spiritual practices and rote muscle memory. Even as we've grown, even as our circumstances have changed, even as our world around us has changed, our faith, our spiritual practices, our ways of experiencing God sometimes haven't changed along with it. So our connection to Jesus can feel a lot like a box of memories up in our attic, a collection of things that happened a long time ago, something we remember, but not something we feel right now. If that's you this evening, if your connection to God is more past than present, then maybe it's time to strike a match and let the Spirit do something new. In the passage that Griffin read for us, Magi from the East followed a star and they found something new. They found a baby Jesus lying in a manger. Now, we don't really know what they saw when they saw a star. Maybe it was an astronomical phenomenon, like a comet or a supernova in the sky. There's actually some really cool Chinese historical data to suggest that something amazing appeared in the sky around the time of Jesus' birth. Maybe it was a supernatural being, an angel radiating light in the sky and guiding these men. We're not really sure what it was. In any case, they looked up into the frozen, immutable, ordered night sky, and they saw something new. They saw a fire. And fire is amazing. Fire happens when the molecules of some type of fuel, candle wax, for example, gets so hot that it literally is ripped apart at a molecular level. And the shredded molecules of that fuel substance combines with the oxygen in this air to produce a chemical reaction, fire. We see the flames, we feel the heat of new energy being released in this moment. Fires are incredible, active, right now things. Fire makes life possible. Our sun is a giant ball of gas. 700 million hydrogen atoms are fusing into helium atoms in sustained nuclear fusion. The fire produced by the sun gives light and warmth and energy to every single living thing on earth. The core of our very planet is molten fire. Fire is so fundamental to human civilization that we don't even know when it was first discovered or invented because every society we know of had fire. It's how we cook food. It's how we make metals. It's how we run engines. It's how we shoo away bears and monsters and other scary creatures. Fire is essential to us. In the Bible, God is directly referred to as fire 90 times. 90 times. Abraham saw God's presence as a blazing torch. Moses saw God as a burning bush. The Israelites followed a pillar of fire through the wilderness. In fire, the Lord descended on Mount Sinai. God's fire burned continuously at the entrance to the Old Testament tabernacle. And when Jesus was born, a fire burned in the sky so that people could find him. When Jesus was baptized, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus called himself the light of the world. John called him the light that shines in the darkness. And when Jesus died for our sins and when Jesus rose from the grave, when Jesus ascended to the Father to prepare a room for us in his house, on that day, years or several days later, the Holy Spirit came to live with each person who had faith in Jesus. And when we read about that account on that day on Pentecost, a sound from heaven came like a roaring, the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house with what looked like flames or tongues of fire. 
And those flames and tongues of fire appeared and settled on each and every single person present. And every person present was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was a fire. If you are in Christ, then the Spirit of Christ is a fire within you. Living, moving, active, radiating warmth and heat and energy into your life and from your life into the world around you. Yes, tonight on Christmas Eve, we remember an event that happened a long time ago in a place that can feel pretty distant to us right now. And tonight, we remember that the fire of Christ is with us still, is with us still. The hope of Christmas is right here, right now. The encounter that we had with God when we were seven, that was real and important and critical, but it's not all we have. God's help when we were 17 years old got us through that really difficult time, but it's not all we have. Just as we've grown, just as our questions have evolved, just as our hearts have changed, so too the Spirit of God moves to meet us in new and different ways. We don't light candles on Christmas Eve simply to remain and maintain tradition. There is beauty in tradition, of course. There is meaning in the memories. There's comfort in what's familiar. There are echoes in our attics. And the flame you light tonight is new. It is new fire. The fire in your hand will flicker, and it will dance, and you will feel its warmth. You'll see its light moving and dynamic. Kids, this is where you guys come in, because adults need to take lessons from you, because you guys are so good at noticing how amazing and cool things are. And is there anything cooler than fire? It's one of the most amazing things God has created. It is mesmerizing, and it is powerful, and light always drives away the darkness. The Spirit is a fire that is here and now. And it gives light and life and joy and comfort and peace and healing and hope to us and to this whole world. As you hold the candle that you will hold tonight, as you look into the flame, I invite you to think about your life with Christ. If it feels stagnant to you, unmoving, or even lifeless, if your life in Christ feels more like a photograph than a fire, then tonight I invite you to consider that God has come from heaven and earth. God has come from heaven to earth to be with you, to be with you, in a way that's new, in a way that's as unique as the flame that you'll hold. So if your faith is boxed up and stuck in the attic, I invite you to get creative. Instead of trying what you used to do or what you're supposed to do or what worked for somebody else, I invite you to think outside the box, to play, to explore, to have fun to savor deeply, to sleep longer, to prepare a new meal, to dress fancy and go out, to take a walk, to do a puzzle, to sled down a snow-covered hill, no matter how old you are, to look at the stars, to surprise your neighbor with an unexpected gift, to dance with your kids in the kitchen, to write a song, to give money to somebody who needs it, to read a verse with fresh eyes, to sit in silence, to journal for an hour. The life of Christ within you is alive. It's alive. And the spirit, like a fire, is always doing something new. Always. Right here, right now. Let's pray.